welcome to NeoCast. Join us each week as we discuss challenges in government contracting, strategies, and solutions for your businesses. We'll dive into managed IT, cybersecurity, workforce advancement, and much, much more. Sharing is caring, and we've got top-shelf advice to help you navigate today's biggest challenges. Let's get to it. Okay, everybody, welcome back to NeoCast by Neosystems. Marty, I'm super excited. I think this is episode seven, but I think we've lost our rhythm. I think we're now in week eight of our lockdown. We were tracking with the lockdown for a while, but I think we're past. We've all lost our minds, and we can't remember if it's December 16th or if it's April 59th. So That's here we exactly are. exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> episode seven, regardless. So yeah. we, the first five episodes, as you and I talked about, we went all through business process improvement, management, change management, got through all the ABCs. We were lucky enough to have John Bartlett with Integrify come on and just talk a little bit about how you start to engage with your clients in these processes, workflow automation and so forth. And this week, we're actually going to get to bring on someone else from your team, Scott, and someone with Integrify, Roman, to talk a little bit about some specific, semi-specific uh, war stories, if you will, about a real project that was implemented and some of the challenges that you actually came up upon and how you dealt with them. So without further ado, Marty, if you wouldn't mind doing the honors of introducing our guest today, I would appreciate it. Absolutely. So Roman comes to us from Integrify. He's a senior implementation specialist. So he'll be kind of chiming in with some more stories along the way. And, and Scott is a senior business process improvement consultant with Neosystems. Uh, so he's, he's kind of the lead on some of our more challenging clients, um, especially, especially over the last couple of years. So uh, it'd, be, it'd be a fun time to kind of talk about some of the things that we've done and, and really kind of hit on some of the key pain points that we've seen as we've talked to some of our clients. That's such a lovely way to put it, challenging clients. But we're so excited to have you here. And Roman, thank you for being here as well. Scott, I just want to kick off with you, since we're going to just dive right into a war story. Um, can you give us maybe a little bit of background, as much as you're willing, as far as what the project was entailing? And then at what point, how did you and the client decide to move forward with working with Integrify as part of the process? So we were dealing with a large government contractor who was implementing Deltex cost points for more of their accounting management systems. And part of the workflow that we were building was project setup. You know, how do you get projects set up into cost point? And how do you deal with adding employees to projects, setting up the revenue codes, uh, and really building the project from nothing to being fully baked out? When we first started the project, we didn't have, or the client rather, didn't have a tool necessarily in mind. They had gone back and forth, I think, between using Integrify because it was uh, Neosystems' go-to uh, and our recommendation for business process automation. But they also, I believe, had another tool called K2, which is another tool similar to Integrify that is a business process automation uh, workflow tool. They ended up deciding not to use that tool because of it was very challenging to use the tool and to get a lot of developers with their hands inside the tool because it was it's a very much customized tool. Um, Integrify sort of has the, you know, it's, it's an out-of-the-box, it's drag-and-drop, more simple to use. This, this K2 tool that, that the client had told us about, you know, their IT team didn't want to touch it. Gotcha. Now, you've gone through the process with the client. You've looked at K2. They've given you all the reasons why it's too complex. Their IT guys don't want to touch it. You say, well, then great. We've got this great partner, Integrify. We want to bring them in. Um, what's the next step? What's the overview of how you took on the process and what did you develop? 
before we started this project, we had already been sat down with this, a lot of the stakeholders and some of the SMEs spending on their streamline and, and build out the process map for how they do the work today. So we already had the process maps going into, you know, developing a, an automated process map, if you will, in Integrify. So we sat down with the client and we said, okay, well, we're going to need a little more information because what we have right now is pretty high level. It's okay. Well, you know, the SME gets a project and they need to, you know, build one and cost one. Okay. Well, what are all the details that are involved? Uh, so the first thing that we did was we sat down with the, the, the subject matter experts or the SMEs and we said, what's the very first thing that starts this process? In their case, they uh, had an integration with a, another system that they had custom built, which was a contracts management system that sent out um, a notification when a contracts administrator landed a, a project and it was ready to be set up in their system, which was, I'm not sure what it was previous to cost point, but moving on in the future, we knew it was going to be in cost point. So then we had to gather all of the information for, you know, what are part of the forms, right? What, what is the kind of data that you get? when this process starts? Well, you have a project number, you have a PM associated, lots and lots of information. So we said, okay, so what happens once you get this intake? You know, we have to automatically assign it to a person. How do you decide who you're going to assign this project to? Oh, well, that's based on the org ID. Okay, so we need to make sure that we have a mapping um, or a table that, that maps the person to the org um, that we can use to pull, map that to the user login for, for Integrify. And then let me just take another look at this process map because it's actually, it's enormous. You know, project setup, you know, can be a very simple workflow, but we found that there were like over like 130 so tasks involved in this, in this workflow. Wow. Um, but at a high level, we would, we would capture, um, capture the data that came through from the contracts management system dynamically assign a, a briefing analyst and then the briefing analyst would go through the part one of setting up the project which essentially you know filling out all of the header information we then have to call a web service to create that header information and then create that like level one or level one through three project id and, and I'm, just, I'm just going to chime in for a second too if you think about kind of building the stew Right. And, and, and that's really, you know, that's really kind of where it all starts with, with any of these processes. And this one, this one was no different. You know, it, it's how do we, you know, how do we make something happen in a system that is going to rely on a load of data? Not only are you looking at a workflow at the beginning, you know, kind of like you and I have talked about before, Aaron, in terms of defining what your workflow is, figuring out where does it best fit, and also figuring out where does it need to be? What does it need to do? And what are the integrations with other systems and things like that? And especially with this client in particular, you know, and, and Scott, I know you know this, they started, they, as they started looking at the processes, it was, well, which one hurts the most? <laughs> you know, and, and that's the one they decided <laughs> to go true. with. Yeah. You know, it, it, because it really is any new system, and we find this so many times, and, and I'm sure Roman, you know, probably has seen the same thing. We see so many times where we come in for a specific purpose because they know that the system they're about to go into, or even the system that they were in, was giving so much angst in a certain area. And that's why they decide to start tackling this one thing because, oh, 
this is the one we're going to need the most help with. We should do that one first. Sometimes great, sometimes right. not. <laughs> well, when you mentioned 130 tasks, and Scott, you said it was enormous. I mean, what is like a, a normal range of tasks in a particular workflow that you would be comfortable with? I mean, if 130 is enormous, is it like 30? Is it 60? What are we talking so, about here? Well, you know, that's such an interesting question because it, it really depends. There's not like a, oh, you know, on average, there's about 30 or so tasks because, you know, and I don't want to get too into the weeds on this uh, without, you know, getting too techy and, and involved with the, the dynamics of the workflow and how you build out processes. But I would say most of them are about a quarter of this size. Whoa. To, to you know, to, to, get, to put an answer. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the most and, painful and even, one. Okay. Oh, yeah. And what can be challenging, and I'm sure this is uh, where Roman can kind of chime in, is in the initial requirements gathering stage of the process, I like to use, you know, metaphors and analogies. It's sort of like asking, you know, okay, well, you want to build a car or buy a car. You know, what are some of the requirements of the car? It's got to have four wheels. It's got to be red, uh, you know, and the driver's, the, you know, the steering wheel has to be on the left side. Well, you get all that information in the beginning from the client and you start building out this, you know, this car, so to speak. And, you know, when you're ready to test drive the car, You've had follow-up meetings to say, okay, and you know, there's leather upholstery and whatnot. And then you get in the car with the client and you show them and they say, well, I thought this had adaptive cruise control. I, 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 thought, yeah. we, I thought we mentioned that. I thought we mentioned in one of our meetings that it was going to include that. Right. And, and I think that's a lot of where the challenges come from are what exactly do they want in ways that the developer and that the analyst can explain to them, you know, how this tool works. And, and how they should expect it to work. Right. Well, now, of course, I'm going to just call you out. Now I know what kind of car guy you are because you didn't even start talking about engines. Horsepower. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you're you're talking leather ride. upholstery. Where's the V8? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the I mean, V12. Yeah, I actually don't, I don't own a car right now, so... <laughs> <laughs> sort of outed myself. As Marty knows, I come from a, a history of automotive industry, so this is giving me palpitations right now talking about leather upholstery versus whether it's yeah. a V8 engine, but that's okay. I excuse it, Scott. <laughs> Let's get back to the, the task at hand here. So, sure. so you were saying that one of the challenges was in the beginning was this even determining the requirements is what I think I'm hearing you say is, is helping the client to understand mm -hmm. how to describe what the requirements are. Yeah. Some, mm -hmm. some clients will be will regard their requirements as being so self-evident that they sometimes look at you funny when you ask them clarifying questions. Others will drag their feet in providing them for whatever reason, just in organizational inertia, cultural resistance to change, um, and others will provide you with a completely detailed set of requirements. And those are the golden customers that are actually saving themselves money. They will provide you with a detailed, complete, thought-through set of requirements. Um, sometimes those are the simpler processes, but not always. Um, it really does. I think the more the client can get one of their own champions invested in helping to build the process, the, the happier they are with the result. Well, and, and just remember for everybody who's listening in to this podcast that the gold standard is to make sure you have your requirements built out really well so that we know what they are coming in. And that, and that's part of the reason that we're having these discussions in these in these multiple episodes, is so that the people listening can understand, you know, some of the pitfalls, some of the challenges, and things like that going into a project in the first place, to be able to, you know, really help themselves. You know, that that's really that's really the goal of all of this is to help to help you know 
what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. Gotcha. So help me better understand a couple more of the the challenges that you approached in this particular project. Again, I think you mentioned some of the upfront development challenges. So over 130 tasks. I think if I if I have my details correct on this particular project, over 15 forms, you know, three different databases to pull from, two different databases to push to, custom API development, all these kinds of things. So these these seem like a lot of challenges that you already have up front or just at least a huge workflow and workload that you have to get this project. We talked a little bit about how requirements are challenging. What are some other things that you faced in this particular project that were that were real challenges? The test data that was available in the system. Uh, you know, I, I believe I already mentioned that some of the that they, that the client was going live with Costpoint at the same time that they were going live with this Integrify workflow. So the data that they had was all data that was still in migration from their previous system, and there were a lot of fields that would either return as null that were on the back end on the forms required to like show. So you know if you had a condition where oh if the project is direct and it's federal, then show this section that they need to answer for these for these questions and their project data would come back with instead of being federal it would say like commercial services and not only was this data coming from another system but it was at first it was coming from their contracts management system and the the language that was used to describe a value or or a field on on a form was not the same so we had to create all these database like um, these crosswalks and these uh, translations to say, oh, well, if it comes, if the value is this, it needs to be translated to this. And that can really slow down your ability to move forward and test and test the workflow. So missing, missing test data or having test data that wasn't the correct value and all those, and all that information ties into developing the XML packets, which on a less technical term is, you know, how do you push the information from Integrify into your new system like Costpoint? You know, Costpoint is very particular about the data that they receive. So if a, if a project number needs to be in a certain string, like, you know, five characters dot two characters dot one character, your form and your, your project numbers need to meet that, need to meet those conditions and requirements. And that's just one. So it's like, right. if you're pulling data from another system where, you know, you have 40 fields that are not valid cost point values, you run into an issue. Right. Or, oh, hey, you know, we don't ask this question on the first form, you know, when the, when the contract administrator uh, is filling it out in their database, but it gets pushed over, how do we know what the answer is if we didn't get it from the contracts administrator? Oh, what if there are changes to the, that there need to be changes to the contracts administration or the contracts administrative uh, database before it goes to Integrify, and then you got to have the back and forth, and then it affects the APIs. And you know, we there were a lot of meetings where we had to sit down with IT to circle and just figure out how do how do we fix things that needed to be fixed from a different system when you're already halfway through the workflow. Right. So and now, how are you all? How are so Roman and Scott, I'm assuming um, this is the type of thing where Marty, you're pulled in to help oversee perhaps the project or manage the team that's running it. But on a day-to-day, uh, again, not being terribly familiar with this process, Roman and Scott, how are you two interacting like through this project? Is it very collaboratively moment to moment? Do you each have assigned roles in how you need to be working through these requirements? 
Um, typically, I would have a specific role. I, as the specialist coming in from the original vendor of the software, I'm often given a specific area of the software to deal with, whether it be integration with another system at a specific level, usually through an API or something like that, an application programming interface. Scott would be, I would say, sort of the call him the sergeant or the non-commissioned officer of the team where he would be doing the day-to-day -day organization of the team, lining up the tasks, knocking them down. I typically am brought in to solve a particular problem or advise on a particular use case that they might not have encountered before or maybe we have a best practice that they haven't dealt with before. Yeah, and Roman really hit it right on the head too. Because because he because he is specifically an integrify, and because they they're the ones that are building the software, he he knows where the bodies are buried. He can kind of lean in on those things that really take a lot of digging. Those things that that we just don't either have the technical capability to do, or that we saw once, but it really helps to be able to have the partnership that we have with Integrify, you know, where like Scott said, we know all of the cost point stuff. We know, we know the government contracts and compliance and that kind of thing. And when it comes time to do something that's overly technical and overly, you know, overly cumbersome, uh, maybe not cumbersome, but overly uh, code specific to do, we may, you know, we may need to reach back into Integrify and say, Hey, Roman, Hey team, you know, we need, we need some help because we've just not seen this before. How do we, you know, how do we create this package? How do we create this, you know, this JSON object that calls this API through this REST client task? You know, what you, that right, big Marty, long you're string. You're losing me. You're losing yeah, me. me too. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what I just said, but I know it sounded good. <laughs> I know. So. It made you sound very smart. I love it. Well, I mean, so then this makes me question, uh, Scott, then if you were sort of like the front, the guy on the front lines, how many, how much coordination are you doing daily with the client? Because given, you know, is this something that they're as heavily engaged with as well? I'm, I'm handcuffed to them, really. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Uh, we've got buried it, it bodies. Is, we've constant. got handcuffs. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it, there's constant communication, you know, because, we, you know, we're developing one form and we realize, oh, well, what if, what if this whole section that's required is, is blank, you know, or what if it doesn't apply? It needs to apply in some other way. You know, there are so many functional questions that, you know, that we don't know you know, because we don't know exactly how they would do it without the system. We, we had meetings where we, I would say we had um, weekly, bi-weekly touch points. So, and I know bi-weekly is such a strange term because is it every other week or is it twice a week? But in this case, it's in this twice case, a it's week, twice right? a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And twice, yeah. Twice a week, um, I would meet with um, one of the uh, like functional sponsors and we would go over any outstanding questions, any, anything that was due and anything that I didn't, you know, understand or say, you know, what's supposed to happen here? You know, what are the, what are the values supposed to be? How do we decide, you know, how to, how to map this information? Uh, who should it go to in this situation? Well, what if, what if the dollar amount changes? Does it need to be reapproved? Do we need to build in that additional level of reapproval every time there's a change? You know, so there's a, at a high level, it's really easy to put a workflow together. But once you get into the weeds of it and you see exactly how it works, you, it gets very granular and you need to have, you need to know all of the, all of the logic at the granular level because that's what you're really developing. Yeah, and it kind of goes back, Aaron, I think we talked a little bit a couple episodes ago, I think, about that rapid prototyping idea, the idea that, you know, you put something together based on what you think it should be, and then you talk to people. 
because they're going to give you the best feedback. And that, you know, that's really kind of what we do. Uh, and, and that's kind of the best way to describe it is, you know, you just, you're constantly changing something until you right. get it exactly right with what they want. Right. Oh, I was just going to say that often you're in the position of presenting the uh, customer with two or three alternatives and helping them decide which one is going to fit their use case best. So right. it's it often is very much a repeated conversation. Sometimes they need to go back to their own subject matter experts because the person you're talking to doesn't know the business. They're more technical. Um, right. So, yeah, there are a lot of meetings that come up sort of ad hoc in addition to the planned ones. Well, it's got to be, I mean, at least I'm a person who's continually curious. So I would imagine even if it is the same tasks you're doing for every client, you're really getting to know how a business operates in a different field, right? Because you really need to know their secrets. You need to know how they're processing things. You end up becoming somewhat of a subject matter expert in their, in their business on some level, I would imagine. What exactly. Are, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, oh, yeah, you do pick up some real tidbits. Uh, for example, I worked with one uh, customer in the automobile field that they pointed out that they have an assembly line that moves faster than the human eye can see. So um, they've truly automated the art of making mistakes. They, they were actually very interesting because they were, they had an engineering and a very, their organization overall had a very good mental discipline. So they were very good at actually bringing Integrify in-house. They use it quite a bit. Um, and they were actually using it for things like managing change within the organization um, right. to, to move things through their catalog. Now, I'll try not to think you were just buttering me up by mentioning automotive, no. <laughs> but, but I would agree with you that, that um, if you're already in a field where it requires highly automated tasks and precision and engineering, that you're probably, like, those are your dream clients because they understand why you're getting into the engineering of something and they're excited to see you break some, break some eggs to figure out mm -hmm. what you're making. Yeah, the flip side is that they can often be quite demanding because they know what's possible. <laughs> That's fun. Well, let's talk about some positive things that came. Or, well, I'm sure the whole project was positive. Obviously, I think you guys got these guys up and running and doing the right things. But um, Scott or Roman, what were some of the lessons learned out of this? Some lessons learned, you know, definitely start with reviewing all of the XML packets in your web service information before you get started on developing uh, and sitting down in developing forms that are involved in the workflow. Because you start with, oh, what do you think you need? And then you end with what you actually need. And what you should really start with is what do you actually need? And then let them know if they actually need it or not because of the actual, because of the integration, you know, definitely a lesson learned and something that we actually have taken on to other clients and to other projects that we've taken on, which have, in, in my experience has been so much more helpful in, in starting the workflow and in, in getting these things started because you can come to the client with a solution rather than saying, all right, you tell us your problem and then tell us what you want. And then we'll hope, and then we'll build to that. And then, it, and hope that everything that you included was everything that's actually included for the integration. On a, like on a more technical aspect, you know, when you're dealing with a, with a, with a process that's like 130 tasks or so, you know, you need to have a really good, you need to have a lot of really good controls, control measures in place, like being able to reset tasks, like resetting data on forms. You know, in Integrify, there's, there are multiple ways for you to like go back in the process as a developer if you're, when you're going through unit testing. Placing like milestones in between forms and in between tasks allow you to sort of reset data and go into the forms and actually make the adjustments rather than 
having them get pushed forward in the process without you being able to go back and change them. So there were, there were a lot of, you know, small learning experiences like that, that I probably don't need to get into on, on this uh, podcast. You know, another big thing was having a really good PM, understanding how to manage client and consultant expectations um, and deliverables on a, on a timely basis and to, to be able to communicate all those changes and, and updates on a regular basis is, is very important because when you have a project that's, that's this large and you said, okay, we'll get it done in, in six months or, or in this many months, you need to hold yourself accountable. You know, both parties need to hold, hold themselves accountable to executing all of their deliverables in time. And when things slip or when there's additional decisions that need to be made, uh, in a timely basis that that will affect development, both parties need to be held accountable. And so one of the, one of the big lessons learned is make sure that when you're when you're choosing your PMs to have a lot of confidence in them. Yeah, and also you, the the consultant and more often even more so the PM needs to have the boldness to be able to push back and explain to the customer why the particular revision that the customer may have just offhandedly requested radically changes the schedule. I had a colleague who referred to that as having the customer hand you a piano and want you to move it. And so you have to explain to them that this is not a simple task. The other interdependencies in the system that you've already specified make this new change much more difficult than it would appear on the surface. So that can be an issue of communication, forthrightness, and just bringing that up just as soon as you can, as soon as you recognize that this situation is occurring, to bring that back to the customer, and also have management have your own back and and back you up when you say that yes, this you can have this, but it's going to push back the delivery date by some period, and there's going to be additional expense. Well, I mean, and I would add too that, you know, Marty and, and I think Neosystems in general does a really good job at, you know, maintaining and, and setting those expectations up front when we're building, when, you know, when we start these projects and we're, and we're in, our, uh, in our war room saying like, okay, well, this happens and then what? Um, you know, to make it very clear that if we have changes that are outside of the, you know, documented requirements that we have, it may impact build, right? Some changes are easy, but if you have a hundred easy changes, it can, you know, have a, have a much bigger effect. And you may have a client say, well, I thought everything was running fine. It's like, well, it was until, you know, all of these things ended up having a larger impact right. um, that, you know, we couldn't foresee because it wasn't one thing. Death by a know, thousand paper over- Exactly, exactly. I think all of our project managers listening are like, well, hallelujah, you're finally knowing what we do, right? <laughs> but it is a unique skill set because, and, and I've had to be a project manager before and I've been sort of the representative for the client as well as the vendor. And it's, it is a difficult position to be in because on one side, you want to keep that client happy and you got to sound like you're their big champion. But then when you go in-house, you have to have enough expertise to know when your people are telling you what they know. You have to have trust that they're telling you what they know. And then you've got to have that, you know, um, respect and and modicum of, um, how shall I put it? The way in which you communicate with your client needs to be careful, deliberate, but also not get you into drowning by a thousand paper cuts um, because 
Yes. Salespeople love to go ahead and say, yep, we'll get that right done for you. Yep. We'll get that done for you too. Oh yeah. Nope. That should be an easy fix. Right. (laughs) I I live by the, I I live by the modicum of under promise and over deliver. (laughs) Yes. yes. Measure twice, cut once. I mean, I feel like we've just gone through all the idioms in this entire, is idiom even the right word? I don't know, but awesome. Well, I know that this sounds like a a crazy big, again, the, the very first thing you said, Scott, was this enormous task list, 130. That sounds insane to me. And maybe, maybe hopefully, I mean, on sometimes on these projects, when you all go through this, this is a question for you. If it starts out at 130 tasks, are you ever um, through this helping them get that down to like 80, you know, like by process of elimination and helping them (laughs) see how they're doing it? Is that part of the work that you're doing or no? Like you're getting 130 and you're kind of helping them stay it on uh, you know well you know it, it always starts with 80 and then it becomes 130 oh, okay. or it, it <laughs> right. starts with like 20 it starts with 20 and then, right. then there Scope are a lot creep. of that happen like oh yes yes yeah. which you know is, is is a hard thing you know can be a very hard thing to manage within the projects so well i always enjoy these conversations because i feel like um i'm just gonna jump on board marty so i'm gonna give up my day job and come be a project manager i guess maybe it sounds kind of fun sounds kind of cool i'm kind of geeky like that though i like to know how everything works i don't actually want to have to do all that work i just like to see how it all works maybe i'll just keep interviewing you guys and learn more about it but <laughs> never Any- turn a hobby into a job that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true oh i'm doing it right now but uh, that's true so well any parting thoughts on big and difficult war stories or this particular project, you know, some surprise learnings that maybe you got out of it or, um, or just surprises doesn't even have to be a learning that you got out of the project. Anything you'd like to leave our audience with? I would say the relationship with the customer is key. Um, I've been accused of being too honest with the customer, but I find it buys me leeway when I make a mistake or something unexpected comes up. Um, perhaps there's an aspect of the system that no one really thought through fully. It, it's more often a failure of imagination than a failure to perform. But sometimes you just get these, well, what if this happens? Well, you all look at it and you go, well, we never thought of that. So having that relationship with the customer helps get you past those moments and the moments when uh, you realize that uh, maybe you're not going to make the deadline when originally promised for whatever reason. Good advice. How about you, Scott? Any surprises out of this or any parting words? Yeah, I mean, I would just, you know, piggyback right off of that and say the relationship with the client is probably the number one most important aspect of any project. Uh, because if, if they're late on, de- on providing deliverables to us, we can work hard to make sure that we meet those deadlines. But, you know, just like Marty likes to say, you know, under promise and over deliver. If we, if we over promise, uh, you know, it can, it can affect our relationship not only with the, with, the, with the people who we work with on a day-to-day basis, you know, the, the, the subject matter experts, but when they have to report back to their leadership, it's a bit of a different dynamic. Um, and I would also say, you know, personally on this project, it was a huge uh, learning experience for me because it was where I really, you know, got my, my you know, my hands-on uh, cost point. Uh, I learned all about the back end and how the back end isn't actually just like the front end. Um, and, you know, I, I, I learned a lot of, you know, I, I learned a new language and learned a new computer language. I learned XML, um, which is, you know, can be a lot of fun in a very nerdy way. Uh, well, we're all nerds Marty's here, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all nerds here. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yes, can yeah. you spell XML? Mm. <laughs> ah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, that is exciting. And that's what I was thinking about earlier when I was saying it's like you either get to learn a new industry, but in this point, I hadn't thought about it. But yeah, you got to learn an entire new 
quote unquote language, an entire new program, which not only helps you be more efficient with the next customer that comes along and has that type of integration, um, but also personally and professionally, it helps you. So that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Got to love that. Marty, any parting thoughts from you? You know, what I take away from it too is, you know, really from a client side, you don't want to be the ones that everybody's talking about. So, you know, take, take the words of wisdom, you know, that, that we're sharing now and kind of the ways that you can prepare and the ways that you can avoid these same pitfalls because, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where Roman's standing over you and telling you exactly what you, want to, what you don't want to hear and being very honest and, and, and upfront about it. And, you know, and hey, you're going to overrun the budget by 25000 because of all these different changes. So know what you want and be willing to communicate and over-communicate to your consultants too because that back and forth, again, it all comes back to that relationship that that, that back and forth and that communication really is what makes the project more successful is making sure that you know what you want, when you need it, and how you need it within the process flow. Sorry, I was going to say, and to, to kind of uh, continue off of that point, you know, the, so trust, a big issue of, uh, from what Marty said, um, and, and trusting, trusting your, you know, consultants and trusting the vendor to provide exactly what, you know, you are looking for and allowing them to work in an agile, um, in an agile way or in an agile mindset, you know, you can probably have an entire new uh, segment and discussion on what agile is and, and how we use that at Neosystems and Integrify, um, but not getting bogged down with, you know, too many, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen and having, you know, several different, uh, um, what do they call it? Not stakeholders or groups or line of businesses involved in making all of the decisions for this, for your workflow. Uh, Cause you will learn eventually, you know, as you, as you move forward in the project, how your workflow touches other workflows. And that's when you can, that's when you can bring them in. But in the beginning, you know, answer questions, develop, answer questions, develop. It's the most efficient way to build a workflow. And I mean, and Mark, we can speak to that with experience. We, we had a client where we built, 40 some workflows in I think three months and they weren't as large as project setup, but you know, it was onboarding, you know, employee onboarding, employee offboarding, um, you know, uh, security requirements, NDAs, TAs all hit multiple streamlines um, just by sitting down with, with the people who have their hands in, in the workflow and who work in it every day. Um, because those are the people who are most affected uh, by the tool are the people who are actually using it on a day-to-day -day basis and they know the answers to all of the questions that we'll have and, and that may be involved uh, within the workflow. So definitely, you know, have a lot of trust and, and let the, uh, let the build of the workflow be iterative. That is great advice. And again, I mean, this whole series has been so informative to me and I hope it's been informative to our audience because really what we're trying to do is to help those out there considering process improvement, automation, managing the change they're going through. Like we're trying to, from the other perspective, prepare you for what those projects look like and prepare you for what you really might need to consider on your end as the client, what you want to have developed up front. You know, everyone's always trying to say, I don't want to 
pay a gazillion dollars to consultants and things like this. Well, one of the ways you can avoid that is listening to these shows to hear a little bit more about how the sausage is made, so to speak, so that you're better prepared when you're coming into the situation with your requirements, with all of your data in the right place, with having had the stakeholder conversations before you get there, and then be iterative. Um, I agree with you. There's, there's nothing better than being able to quickly and easily approach, break, figure it out, go back approach, break, figure out, go back. Uh, and most people actually, I would think, would be more engaged in that process because it's exciting. It's kind of interesting. You're not just going, here's my entire assignment, come back in a few months, and oh, wait, I don't like this bug, and everything's for naught. So no one wants to waste their time doing that. So we really appreciate you all being here. Thank you so much for participating in the conversation. Marty, I hope we get to have these folks or other folks from your team on for at least one or two more episodes to talk about some other war stories. But Scott and Roman, thank you so much for giving us your time today. And Marty, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Talk to you guys soon. Take care. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. The Neo Systems Difference. We specialize in serving organizations of all sizes. In today's fiercely competitive market, is your organization constantly searching for ways to gain the advantage over competitors? Smart organizations are paying more attention to their strategic back office operations. Neosystems offers scalable back office services and solutions to improve your organization with a team of industry experts, industry-leading information technology tools, and an advanced technical infrastructure. From software hosting and security solutions to managed accounting services, Neosystems will custom-build solutions and services that are tailored to fit your organization's needs. Check us out on the internet at neosystemscorp.com. That's neosystemscorp.com dot com.